episode 31. Today's guest. Let me let me begin and explain these long lists of accomplishments Mr. Aaron Brown has. To begin with, he's one of only 35 runners to ever run a sub 100 meter and sub uh, 200 meter in 20 seconds and 10 seconds, respectively. Eight time All American, two time World Championship bronze medalist, and Olympic bronze. He, he's participated in the World Relays and accomplished gold. He won the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Medal Regional, uh, excuse me, medal recipient. That's incredible. Uh, no, no small feat being a USC grad. And that's, that's not the best part. He's currently eighth in the world for the men's 100 meter. Thank you for coming on, Aaron Brown. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Ooh, man. I was, I was reading, we were searching up those, uh, those accomplishments and building that intro. And I was like, this just keeps getting better and better <laughs> as we, as we find more and more. So, um, I practiced my reading skills for 20 minutes and got, and got that for you. So no, but we're uh, excited to transition the talk to sprinting and, and learn about you. Yeah. I mean, I've been sprinting for a while, um, just kind of growing and getting better as the years go on kind of rolling into the next thing, not really knowing, um, you know, where I'm going to stop, just kind of seeing how far I can go with this thing. You know, I rolled into it in high school and it's just been, you know, living the dream ever since just, uh, kind of rolling to the next thing and trying to get better and be the best that I can be. So was it a sport that you always had your eyes on or I know you played some, some high school football and some high school basketball, um, was track always there for you or was track kind of like a backup sport for you? So it was, it was always a sport that I did just to stay active. You know, um, I always did all sports. I never really was a specialist. I kind of just did whatever season it was. So I started with basketball, uh, soccer was a big one. Um, I got into football in high school, you know, I did volleyball early on. I did T-ball. Like I was just doing whatever sport came up next. And you know, track was never something that I thought I'd be doing full time and for the, my career when I was older. But, you know, I kind of just rolled into it. You know, it was just kind of serendipity. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I had people pointing me in the right direction. And the main one was Bill Stevens, my high school uh, club coach. He uh, told me that I can get a scholarship going on the NCAA. At that point, I didn't even know what that was. So once I learned more about it, you know, it became something that I was totally fascinated with. And, um, you know, he also told me about making teams like world youth and world juniors. And when I did that, um, that opened up a whole bunch of doors for me, which is how I was able to go, uh, down to the South and get a scholarship just for my performance from that, uh, meet itself. Um, and yeah, so it was never plan a, but you know, sometimes that's just how life is, you know, you find your fit and it kind of, you find your calling just by being in the right position and having the right people around you. And they just put you in the right position. For sure. So hold on, Wyatt. I gotta ask him this. Before Wyatt asks you a very intelligent question, I do have to ask you this. Were you one of those kids that was good at every sport he tried growing up? I was pretty yeah, I was pretty good. Yeah, you are. Oh man. Yeah. I had one sport, I was very mediocre, and that was it. So that's that's very annoying. But that's uh that's great to hear. Wyatt, ask your intelligent question. So I like so once your coat like once you found out about those opportunities did you kind of go just go all in on track at that point uh well i dropped basketball in my senior year at high school because it just interfered with track and you know there was times in, when i was in grade 11 where i'd run 
I'd have a meet on like the weekend, but I'd have a basketball tournament like two days before. And so I, my legs were shot and I, it was affecting my performance. And, you know, in order to maximize my uh, exposure for a scholarship down South, I thought, you know, I got to at least bring it down to two. So I dropped basketball, which is hard because ball's life, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was football and track and I was actually going to walk on um, at USC, but that's right when I got there, they got hit with those uh, sanctions for Reggie Bush when he uh, took oh, okay, that yeah. money and all that. So I was thinking, okay, I'm a guy from Toronto, um, kind of just dabbled in football and I'm going against all these five-star recruits from around the country at a, a major power five program and there's limited scholarships. I don't know how I'm going to fare. And they're saying that I had to give up my track scholarship to even try out for the football team. So I wasn't really to make that gamble. Um, you know, there's other schools that recruited me for track that said I could play football as well. And if it didn't work out, I'll just switch to a track scholarship. But I really was, you know, all in on USC. So I ended up going there and uh, just that's when I focused 100 percent on track as soon as I got there. For sure. So uh, like what you said, that some other schools said that you could do both. Was there any other schools that you really seriously considered or was it just USC the whole mm -hmm. way? Yeah, so it was really close to being Florida State. Florida State was actually my dream school when I first started learning about schools um, in the NCAA. But then when I saw USC on TV, uh, it was actually in 2008 when Mark Sanchez was the quarterback at USC and they were playing Ohio State and USC was ranked number one and they beat them. And, you know, when they show those wide camera shots of like the surrounding area, of yeah. Los Angeles and all that stuff. They just made it, made it sound so good because I thought USC was South Carolina. When I found out it was Southern California and Los Angeles and all that stuff, I'm like, oh my God, I want to go there. <laughs> so then I switched from my dream school from USC to Florida State, but I visited Florida State and Florida State is awesome as well. Um, so it was really between those two. You know, there were other schools that were interesting too, but I, it really came down to those two. And um, I chose USC just because I thought LA was more like Toronto than um, Tallahassee was. So I don't... I'm guessing you probably know some of like the uh, the Olympic history with USC, but just so with the recent Olympics, like there was 44 former or current Trojans in 2016, and yeah. there was 38. So was that something that was the history side something that kind of played in as well? I mean, it helps for sure. I mean, when you're young, you're you're thinking you're you're a little arrogant and, and naive, and how you think things are going to go. You think it's just going to be a straight path up. So you're thinking wherever you go, you're going to be successful and all that other history stuff, who cares? But now, now that I'm older and wiser, um, knowing the history is, is kind of amazing. Um, just being a part of that and being, you know, we, they have at their track, these pillars, ones for NCAA champions, ones for Olympians and ones for Olympic gold medalists. And so um, I got to be on the Olympic one um, when I made the team in 2012 and that was pretty special to be with some of the names that are up there because it's some of the greatest athletes that have ever been in the sport. For sure. And then I know Jack wanted to touch on the, on the culture there in a second, but first I just want to ask like, how did you manage to balance track and then competing in the Olympics in 2012 and school and just being able to have a personal life and like mentally staying sane? <laughs> well, they say, in college, when you're an athlete, there's like a triangle and there's three different choices. You have your social life, you have your athlete life and you have your school life and you get to pick two. Um, 
so one always gets to suffer. And at first, you know, I was uh, all about the school life and uh, personal life and my athletic performance suffered my freshman year. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't as good as I should have been. So then I shifted it and then my schoolwork suffered, suffered a little bit. And so as I got older, I realized, okay, I got to put my, most of my effort into my school and my athletic performance. And then my social life is going to take a little bit of hit, but you know, that's, that's going to be there for the rest of my life. So um, it's just about balancing, having that, that, that balance and organization, those coming key, like having those skills to be able to um, utilize what's around you. Um, You know, you have a lot of people who will help tutor you or help just help you organize. Like USC was really good with putting athletes in the best position to succeed on the track and in the school. Um, So, you know, I just had to learn it over, over the course of my time there and, and figure out what my, the best system was for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible to hear. Um, what, I, what I do want to hear about is a little more your, uh, the USC culture. Um, I'm like you, I'm from Toronto. So I went to a couple of schools seeing what that was like, but it was all like Northeastern. So yeah. why don't you just kind of exp- uh, explain what the, the USC culture in terms of like the athlete life or just going to school in Southern California? Man, uh, it's like when you watch those movies of schools in the States, that's pretty much what it's like there. You know, like there's, there's a place called frat row and it's just a, a whole bunch of mansions on a street with all the fraternities and they have uh, pro uh, sorry, they have um, parties on the weekends. And so I went to a couple um, those are insane. Like they're just big old mansions with just, you know, a whole bunch of frat people and, sorority girls and whatnot but sometimes they had private events so we stopped going there eventually we, we started doing our own thing but those are crazy that's like typical you know frat party scene on yeah. campus it's crazy um people like to ride bikes a lot there like it's like almost you see more bikes than people walking so you see, you'll just see bikes going everywhere you'll see um random get 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 togethers of people uh, doing whatever type of activity, um, just in the grass all over the place, just random stuff going on. Um, you'll have a lot of like rallies and stuff for football. Um, you'll have, you know, people are pledging for fraternity. So you'll have those events. You'll have random, like, I don't know, events at the cafe and stuff like that going on. It's just, there's always something going on at some point in all hours of the night. And then there's these two really big libraries that everybody goes to study at. So, um, when you go in there, it's always packed with people that are in there and they're open 24 um, seven. So you always see people in there studying and doing all their schoolwork and stuff. Um, it's just a really lively place to be at. It's hard to explain really, but it's, it's like you feel like it's almost alive and it's really magical. Um, you know, those are some of the best four, li- uh, four years of my life, honestly. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you uh, regret choosing USC over Florida State, no, but no. let's... Um, we looked up a couple uh, athletes that were at USC the time you were. You mentioned football. Did you uh, build any relationships? Did you get into some fun when you were there? You don't have to, you don't have to specify, but you can just give us a little teaser. Uh, like, like, did I build relationships with other big-time athletes? Yeah, or just, just like, do you, like, remember, like, going hanging out with, like, a, like a certain team or just, like, it was, like, a great time or anything like that? Oh, okay. Um, so I lived off campus my – junior year um and i lived in a house right with three other track guys and we started throwing parties at our house because 
there were parties other places, but they're, they're starting to get lame. So they stopped having those. <laughs> so we needed, we knew there was like a, a need for parties. So we started having it at our place and we called it the track house. And uh-huh. we ended up, yeah. <laughs> I so like that. We had everybody come into our parties because they started getting really, really big. And what we did was we started inviting people. So one of my friends, have you ever seen, um, what's that movie? Uh, Project X? Yeah. Yeah. You remember yeah. when they like put a huge blast out to just a whole bunch of random people? Yeah. yeah. One of my friends did that. So he put it all over Twitter. He just started spamming everybody in LA saying, come to this party, come to this party. <laughs> and we had people filled throughout the whole house, like front yard, backyard, the whole house. It was <laughs> Holy really shit. crazy. And so we're like, what, what are we going to do? Like, we don't know half these people. Um, what we did, we, we started charging people at the door. And it was, we actually made a lot of money doing it because a lot of people came. <laughs> we kept getting shut down because we were like so over capacity and people were starting to like fight to try and get in. Um, but yeah, we were known as uh, the track house and we always, whenever we had a party, like everybody would show up on, on, on the team. So all the football players, basketball players, um, whatever sport it was, randoms from in the area. Sometimes people from other schools were coming. Um, so we had these big, huge parties. Um, yeah, those are those are pretty epic. So the most probably the most important, uh, the most responsibility, the highest responsibility of the party is the guy who's on Ox. Did you ever have the Ox for that party? <laughs> I did. That, you play Actually, one bad song and you're done. Like I know, I know, I know. You're revoked. <laughs> no, I didn't even bother doing that. I just I was the guy inside. Well, first of all, I worked the door for a little bit because I wanted to make sure like we we're making the money and everybody's yeah. The, the, the but then I guy. would go inside and then make sure everybody was not going through our rooms. So yeah. I was the guy protecting all our stuff and locking all the doors and all that. Um, but we had like a designated friend of one of my roommates who was a DJ. So he would do it and he would work for free. Um, I think we threw him some money after a while because it was like, okay, you're actually like doing like events kind of. <laughs> so we paid, we paid him a little bit. But um, yeah, we, we had like a legit gig. Oh, um, man. That sounds incredible. And we had sounds to stop. Like- but yeah, it was a good while lasting. Um. No, so I was going through your team and seeing the rosters, the the men's track team, mm-hmm. and you were very unique in how you were the only Canadian on mm-hmm. the team. And I played hockey a little bit in, in Buffalo, so I got familiar with how Americans and athletes. Did you ever find like there was an adjustment period or a period where you're like, oh shit, like I'm in America, I'm not in Canada? <laughs> yeah, um, I noticed that we dress different. Um, especially in California because they have that West Coast style. So, um, I had to go shopping and and get some new clothes. Get a fit in. (laughs) Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I ended up cutting my braids because out there it was like very, you know, out of out of style and all that stuff. Um, the way people, the the slang out there was different. So, coming from Toronto, going to LA, there was a lot of things I had to learn and, and change. My my taste in music changed a little bit. You know, I got that Cali influence. Um, obviously going to parties and dancing and all that stuff, the moves are different. So yeah, there, there was definitely uh, an adjustment that I had to get used to because the, the way they did things out there. And I didn't know if it was America. I didn't know if it was just California. I didn't know if it was just being in college, but it was all just like kind of wrapped into one where I was just like, okay, this is a different experience. And I adapted from there. I can tell you it's yeah. just like, it's the coast. Cause I've done the reverse. I'm yeah. from Vancouver. Yeah. And now I've come out to Ontario yeah. and I was the same thing. Yeah, I yeah, had yeah, to yeah. like <laughs> completely change everything. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's cool All though. Right. You get the best of both worlds. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 
we got to get back on the topic. So why, why you want to ask the, uh, the 2012 Olympics? Yeah. So obviously going into those games, you were 20 years old. Like what's it like stepping on to the biggest international stage at that age? Man, it was, uh, it was surreal because, you know, I had a long journey just to get on the team. I originally was not on the team, but I appealed, um, had to prove my fitness to show that I wasn't injured anymore. And, um, you know, I went out and ran these two races where I had to hit the B standard and the A standard hit that so that they put me on the team for the 200. Um, and this, when I stepped on the track for the first time, man, I still remember being so nervous because I went out there, I'm setting up my blocks and I just hear like people yelling random things from the crowd, seeing all the people in the stadium. I don't know how many people it was like 80,000, something like that, you know, I was filled and I just took it in. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. Cause I was literally watching the races the day before. And then I'm the one out there. And I have people from all over that I haven't talked to in years sending me messages talking about like, oh, good luck in the Olympics or whatever. And I'm like, man, I, I don't even know what you're up to these days. <laughs> they, like, they came out of their bridge, like little gremlins yeah. came underneath the bridge. Oh, good yeah, luck. <laughs> exactly. And like people that don't even understand track and, and how to run and all that stuff are still watching. So I didn't realize like the magnitude of um, where I was at until I actually got out there. But I tied my PR in the first round and then PR'd in the second round and missed the finals by five one hundredth of a second. So I had a really good performance for uh, it being my first time. And, you know, I just I just remember 2012 being an awesome time all around. And then so like you line up against Christophe Lemaitre in the quarters and then mm-hmm. Usain Bolt in the semis. Was that kind of yeah. like the the oh shit, like this is the big yeah. time moment? Yeah, yeah, because I've, I've watched both of them, you know, uh, Christoph being the first white guy to uh, break the 10-second barrier. I knew all about him. And then um, Usain Bolt, I mean, everybody knows about him. So uh, when I saw he was in my lineup, I, I kind of was really nervous. And I was in lane eight, um, and I, or sorry, lane nine, and he was in the middle. And I remember when he went past me, he, he just looked like a giant statue. Like he looked like he was seven foot tall. And I could see him literally shutting down and jogging. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. So I was trying to get as close to him as possible so I could have that story where I was like, yeah, I, I didn't lose by too much. <laughs> and then there was a moment at the end when, you know, he's clapping and talking to the crowd and all that. And then he was about to pass me. And I'm like, all right, should I shake his hand? And then I'm like, yeah, go for it. So I put my hand out and we dap. And there's a picture of us doing that. So probably going to frame that and show my <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. That's unreal. So, yeah, obviously, like, you had a great showing, and then you tied your PB, and then you PB'd in the semis. So how did you feel after those games? Man, I, I felt amazing. Um, you know, I was still that naive young kid, just just kind of going through the motions, no expectations, and running carefree and just happy to be there. Um, you know, that's something that I honestly want to try and get back to more as I get older because those expectations are heavy. And sometimes that, that hinders your performance because you're thinking about um, how you're going to perform and uh, not just going out there and having fun like, like you were when you were young. Um, but, you know, I, I got to meet Usain Bolt, got to race him, um, finished ninth, so I was top 10. Um, I got to meet the NBA players, even though, you know, they were kind of standoffish because they were tired and all that. But um, we're all in the same games room. And so I got to see like LeBron up close, Kobe Bryant, Carmelo, uh, Dwight, all those guys just having fun 
hanging out in the games room and you know i'm 20 years old so for me that was like a crazy moment and i i can only imagine that what that would be like yeah it was, I mean, it was pretty it was pretty epic i had a video of it on my phone but that was on an old old phone and i don't even think i have the footage anymore so i just have to tell the story and hopefully <laughs> So then obviously like you came out of those games and had the confidence and the momentum and over the next four years, you moved yourself into being ranked 16th in the world in the 100 and 13th in the 200 going into 2016. So what was the four, the four years between those games like for you? Uh, it was, it was a growth process. You know, there's ups and downs for sure. You know, I'm, I'm going through the NCAA system as well as being on team Canada for, um, the world championships in 13 and 15. Um, we ended up getting the bronze in 13 and 15 in the relay. So that was a positive. And, you know, I'm still trying to establish myself in an individual event. Um, I won my first senior title in 2013 in the 100. And, um, you know, I had, I had some missteps here and there. But overall, you know, I, I learned from the experiences and got better year over year. And uh, just kind of had positive momentum going towards 2016 to try and make the team again. So then, what were your what were your expectations going into those games? Um, in 16, I wanted to do better than I did in 2012. Um, you know, the individual events didn't go the way I wanted it to. I, I kind of put too much pressure on myself. But uh, to get that bronze in the relay um, and break the Canadian record, that was a big milestone for us. You know we've been chasing that record for a long time. The fastest we ran up until that point was like 37, nine, I think. And we ran 37, eight in the heats. And, um, you know, to run 37, six in the finals was like, it, it was crazy because we, we've been talking about it for so long and breaking that 37, 69 that the 96 gold team had, uh, put down, but you know, we talk about it, but it's, it's took, it took so long for it to actually happen that you kind of get surprised when it actually does. And it's kind of like, Oh my God, like we actually did it. Um, and at first when we got that fourth place finish, um, we're all kind of stunned and we didn't want to leave the track until something actually happened. But then we saw nothing was happening. So we went up to the media and we, we give our interview. We're all sad and down. And then as soon as um, the reporter stops us and says, I have some good news for you guys. You guys have been upgraded to bronze we run the interview back and we're all happy and, and high-fiving <laughs> and it's a completely different interview. It's pretty funny. So yeah, the, the relay team is what I wanted to ask you about. So obviously Akeem Haynes was the only holdover from that 2020 team that ended up getting DQ'd after they won bronze. Um, did he have any, like, did he bring a certain fire into that team that he was determined to win a medal at those games? Yeah, because in uh, 2012, like me and him were both in the same relay pool. Um, so we knew what it was like to be on the opposite and out of disqualification. Um, and we had that same hunger to try and get an Olympic medal back that the team lost. So even though we didn't run that race, we're still in the pool and we felt like we we're a part of it because we were there every day at practice. We were running the practice reps and races leading up to the games. And so we felt that same pain that the guys that ran in 2012 felt. And we wanted to be a part of the redeem team, which is what we ended up calling ourselves in 2016. Um, so to get that bronze medal back for Canada, that was uh, a proud accomplishment, especially for me and Akeem. And then, um, so now, obviously, once again, you've seen 
incredible growth and progression since those games. And as of last year, you're eighth in the 100 and fifth in the 200. Um, so Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, what are you what are you expecting out of yourself for Tokyo? Uh, well, first of all, I'm hoping that the games actually happen. Yeah. Um, you know, we're playing day by day, trying to see what happens with COVID. And I saw that there's new strains and stuff going around. So who, who yeah. knows what's going to happen? But fingers crossed, let's actually hope that it's going to happen this year and we get under control. Um, my expectations are to go out there and try to medal. You know, I want to come with two medals. Um, you know, I want to run in the 200, get on the podium there. And then again, with the four by one, um, get another medal to back up what we did in 2016 and, um, everything that I've been doing, you know, every day I go to training, uh, I'm thinking about that end end result, which is being on the podium in Tokyo, uh, kind of working backwards from that, um, every day doing what I have to do, you know, those days when I'm tired and sore and don't want to go to practice and I'm just like over it, I, I have to remind myself and, uh, keep telling myself to stay motivated and stay the course. Cause these are the days that matter when, um, the curtains are drawn. And it's time to show the world what you can do. And then uh, I I saw you ran a, a 400. Or yeah. Was that two two years ago? Uh, it was in 2019 uh, to begin the season. So uh, was is that something you you'd ever consider trying to, to to run internationally, or was that just kind of a see where your fitness is at race? Yeah, so that was the first one I've ever ran, and it was just to see where your fitness is at. You know, normally we run a four by four, but he decided to switch it up and give us a 400. And, you know, I was, I was more nervous than I've ever been more nervous than even I was in 2012 at the Olympics because it was a foreign race and I didn't know how to run it. And I've also heard horror stories of people dying in the 400, not just heard, I've seen people die in the 400. So I was really scared for that, but I actually ran pretty well and I was, I was proud of how fast I ran. And I think you know, it'd be fun to run it internationally at like a smaller meet, not necessarily like the Olympics or world championships, but like maybe like a Commonwealth games or something on a down year, um, just to see what I can do. Um, but you know, no immediate plans to run the four for sure. Just, just, just training. For sure. And, uh, so speaking of training, how has training with a guy like Justin Gatlin and then with a coach like Dennis Mitchell, how, how do you think that's helped you progress? Um, it's helped a lot, you know, starting with Justin. Um, he's been somebody that I could look up to and, and ask him for advice, you know, because he's been through every imaginable uh, scenario. First of all, he's been around since he's been a pro since like 2003 or something like that. You know, like I wasn't even I didn't even know what the Olympics were back then. So he's been in the game for a long time. He's an old head and I can ask him anything about you know, positive experiences or negative experiences, how he felt and how he dealt with each and bounced back from both. So that's a, that's a wealth of knowledge right there that I could tap into at any point. Um, and then just watching how he trains and prepares, you know, I take notes and see how, what he does to be successful. And then the same with my coach, because he was a, a beast back in his day. Um, and him being a former athlete as a coach, he has a lot of uh, familiarity with the things that we go through as athletes. So I can ask him about, um, certain things that he used when he was an athlete and try and apply that to the the principles that he's teaching us as a coach now. So, um, training with both has definitely helped strengthen my career in, in helping me with my growth process. 
Is there any uh, Canada-U.S. rivalry there? Yeah, um, especially at the Florida Relays because, you know, we train all year and Florida Relays is usually the first place that we run each year. And um, that's when I switched from being with my guys and we're on the same team to going to Team Canada because we always bring a team down there. And um, we've won like the last, well, 2019, or sorry, 2020, we didn't have it, but I think going back to 2017, maybe even 16, we've won the four by one and four by two in the pro section. So I always get to have bragging rights coming back to the group when we train because we always win as Team Canada. Um, but this is just friendly rivalry, you know. We always root for each other and want each other to do well, even when we're wearing different uniforms. Um, you know, we, we train together all, all year, so we know how hard we've worked and how much we put in, and we want the best for each other. No, that's uh, that's great. It's like you, you you train with them, you want them to succeed, but you, you, you want to finish first, and then they very yeah. close second, very close yeah, second. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. I kind of want to bring it back a little bit with, with Gatlin, but specifically with Nike, you, you two are both sponsored by Nike. Um, I can only dream of what the opportunities that has entailed, but how has that uh, relationship been between you and uh, Nike running? Uh, it's been, it's been a good relationship. You know, um, I've worn Nike my whole life. Uh, I think I've worn one pair of Adidas spikes. And that was when I first started track um, back when I was like, you know, 15 or something like that. I didn't even know much about spikes. Um, but from then on, I've been wearing Nike. I always wear Nike shoes and I wear Jordans. So to be able to uh, keep my collection that I've been amassing for the years and, and build on it has been a dream come true, especially for a sneakerhead like me. Um, but yeah, I love running from, for Nike. The training group is great. You know, I'm with a Nike sponsored group. So we're all with Nike. My coach is Nike. And if I wasn't with them, I'd have to be in a different environment and a different group. Um, so I'm very fortunate to be with them for, for as long as I've been and um, the opportunities that they've given me. Nike's been um, like publicly known as like a, an organization that really backs their athletes. Have you ever experienced a, a, a time where you're just like, wow, like that was above and beyond. Like they didn't have to do that kind of action for me. Like I really respected that. Um, overall during this pandemic, they were pretty supportive. You know, a lot of people, uh, I've heard stories about different, um, shoe companies who had to cut back on their budgets and, and take away money from certain people. But Nike was with us throughout the whole thing, letting us know that they're going to support us and, and that we're all good. So that was definitely a positive where they're, they came to show up because, you know, it could have been a very different conversation. Um, understandably everybody had to go through um, troubles during this time and lost revenue and whatnot. So for them to have our backs like that, that was definitely a positive. No, that's, uh, no, that's great to hear. It's um, definitely been troubling times, but you know, Nike big as they are, that's so super nice to hear that they're supporting their athletes. Um, let's jump into uh, the personal question segments are, it's a fun part. We like to throw at our guests. Uh, why, why I created this one, but I'll, I'll take this one because I'm now becoming a bit of a sneaker head. Um, so collectively we want to know what are your favorite shoes in your collection? That's tough. I have a really big collection. So, um, let me think about this. My favorite model is the Jordan one followed by the Jordan 11. So I'm going to pick a Jordan one. I'd probably go with my, um, shattered backboard ones uh those are very coveted i know 
the, the leather on those is very nice. I, I love just looking at them and touching them and feeling them. Um, I love my cool gray 11s, my bread 11s and space jam 11s. Those have been shoes that I wanted for my entire, uh, young adult life. Um, uh, my bread ones, those are like an everyday shoe that I probably, if I had to pick one shoe for the rest of my life, I probably pick the one, the bread ones. Um, and then I have the Royal ones as well. So those are interchangeable. I love those both. Um, but I, okay. So to answer the question, I probably go with the bread <laughs> ones. <laughs> you, you listed some like amazing shoes. I'm just like, there's yeah. this one, there's this yeah, one. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to like, yeah. trying to pick just some of them in my head and I, I got yeah. them. But yeah, there's also the flu game 12s. I love those. The aqua eights. I love those. Concord 11s, love those. But to answer the question, I'll go with the bread ones followed by the Space Jam 11s. Is, I, is I've, watched, I've watched oh, your uh, <laughs> your videos on YouTube of the shoe collection. Uh-huh. Those shattered backboard ones, I'm so jealous of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love those. Those are those are a clutch pickup. Is there, a, is there a shoe that's gotten away from you, a shoe that you, you still have been trying to get, but it's yep. uh, been unable? <laughs> what's it what's that one we got to hear it so there's the court purple ones that released recently missed out on those i was mad uh the um what are they called the black cement threes those are really nice missed those um there is also the uh, toro fours i love those they're like all red fours never got those but i think i've heard that they might be releasing again in 21 so hopefully that's not a rumor and it's true and I can actually get them this year because I really want those. Got to use your plugs. You got to use your connections. <laughs> no, man, I know. <laughs> um, we, yeah, being being an athlete and being an Olympian, you're obviously very regimented with your dieting. But do you have? Everyone's got that one cheat meal where they don't care. They don't. They don't care the the stomach pains, the the the, the trips to the bathroom afterwards. Do you have that meal? Uh, I mean, my favorite food, like just to have every day is like chicken wings. So having, I mean, I like grilled wings, so it's not even that much of a cheat, honestly. Yeah, like that's it's not like, like they're pretty good. That's not too bad. Yeah. So let, let me choose something different. Um, I love McDonald's nuggets. That's always something that I, I grew up on. <laughs> so I, I like having McDonald's nuggets, but I can't eat that like all the time. Understandable. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say McDonald's nuggets. That's that's an easy one, or Chick Fil A. That's also another one. Heard good things. Haven't there's only one place up in Toronto, Aaron. That I haven't got to it yet, but it's been pretty good so far. Um, what uh, what show are you currently binging? Oh, man, we we're not really on a show. We were watching Last Chance You. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Just finished Cobra Kai. That was good um you know we we kind of fly through shows sometimes you know <laughs> that's kind of our, our chill relaxing hobby to do me and my wife um we watched mandalorian that was really oh, good how the good was that amazing. final episode oh god oh I, I, man oh that was crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's like the second season it was just like upwards like just getting better oh, and better each episode i couldn't agree more i yeah, couldn't agree more yeah. i was yeah. my um or one so why not roommates our one roommate's like a diehard uh star wars fan he was getting upset because it's like every episode was the same yeah. but it was slightly getting oh, better than the, 
the final, the, really the final four were just like incredible. Yeah. So yeah. understandable choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we watched that. Um, you know, there's there's nothing that we're kind of watching right now, but you know, shows like Black Mirror and stuff. We were waiting oh, for them to come back. Uh, Peaky Blinders, just oh, you're getting better. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. loving this. Yeah, we, we we got a lot of good shows on our list, but um, we're kind of in limbo that limbo period where you're watching shows that are kind of fillers until the real ones come back. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, have you have you um perfected your Birmingham accent from Peaky Blinders yet? <laughs> when <they're- laughs> When, it, when we were watching it, you yeah. know, I, for a little bit, I, I thought I could do it, but it's been a while since I've watched the last season, so it's it's a little rough right now. Yeah, yeah. it's it's practicing until the next one comes out. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that show. I won't even embarrass myself and try. <laughs> I, had, I had the raspy Arthur one. Down oh, there, yep, yep. But you know, it's a little it's a little rusty right now. Exactly for <laughs> sure. Um, we're we're big big music people. Who are your um? I'll make it simple. Who are your top two artists right now that you enjoy listening to? Uh, keep it real simple. Drake and The Weeknd, um, both Toronto legends. So yeah, repping home. You're repping home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then honorable mention, J. Cole. He's one of my favorite rappers as well. Love J. Cole. So do you know what's going on with The Weeknd's face? No. I, <laughs> I, you know what? Like, I'm, I ride for him no matter what. Of but course, you gotta support I, I, I saw that picture and I have no idea what's going on. I don't really care to know because it's kind of just, just weird. Yeah, I was taken away. I was I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, what song do you have going on right now that's on repeat? Oh man, um, I don't know. My wife said Greece. <laughs> that that was a while ago though. But I was playing that that Drake song Greece. Um, oh, okay. I don't know about right now. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that just because she said that. Thank you, Aaron, for coming on, sharing some some great times at USC and then your incredible Olympic career. Um, you definitely have two new biggest fans going forward. So uh, so super excited to see what the future holds next for you and your uh, exciting yeah, new family I'm as well. Yeah, excited for that, all of it. So big things on the horizon. Um, you know, got my son coming, looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully Tokyo 2021 that'd be you know a really big one that I'm circling on the calendar and just looking forward to getting better and growing each year man that's that's all I can ask for so thanks you guys for having me and then let me to share my story a little bit Oh, thank you. Thank you, Aaron.